Hi, Dave. Hi, Zoe. How are you? Good. We're going to talk with your dad today. What do you think about that? Not no leader. <laughs> <laughs> do you like Order of Elijah? Yeah. <laughs> I like little more love. <laughs> I think your dad should make you part of the band. <laughs> she likes to sing. She likes to dance. <laughs> you want to sing a song? At first I was singing Let It Go. Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold her back anymore. Who was then? Let the storm rage on. Cornered in front of me anyway. Oh, Zoe, that was great. Oh, she's off. <laughs> that was cute. Gave the performance and she's out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's it, Shannon. We're all done. <laughs> all right. It's been good talking to you. <laughs> oh, man. Shannon Lowe of The Order of Elijah is here on The Antidote for a Talk. Thanks for joining in, Shannon. Hey, thanks for having me, man. What about taking a minute and tell us about how The Order of Elijah came about and who's in the band? Um, the Order of Elijah has been around for about eight years. Our uh, guitarist, Brian, and I formed the band probably six to seven months before our first show. And as we were searching for musicians, we came up with a name, come up with a, a basis of how we wanted our sound to go, but we agreed to try to keep it experimental and never really get stuck in a rut of sound identity, I guess. And then we got Brian on guitars, James on bass, and Josh Newland on drums, and then me, I do vocals. Josh does some vocals too. Originally, The Order of Elijah was Christian-focused. I don't know if he would have called it a ministry band. You know, sort of like in the same vein as Monty Montgomery and for today. Oh, yeah. I, I completely considered The Order of Elijah a ministry. Uh, whenever it first formed, I was very ingrained in uh, New Age Christianity and... My counterparts were kind of neutral to the whole situation. They just enjoyed playing music, and uh, they just supported me. Uh, so whenever I decided to take a step away from the genre title as a Christian band uh, in 2015, everybody was pretty excited. They were, you know, they were kind of glad to to step away. We'd experienced some of the downfalls of the christian music industry and uh kind of had a bad taste in our mouth from that situation and as i was searching more into philosophical views of my own i was finding that i didn't have the same ideology that i began the band with so uh yeah it did begin as a as a ministry well let's head back to that first full-length dethrone that came out in 2013 what kind of a message was the band wanting to deliver on that release? I was really ingrained with my church at the time, and uh, the message of the church I was part of was more of a macho, uh, men stand up and be the spiritual leaders of the family type uh, mentality. I kind of embraced that poetically and tried to portray that 
through the lyrics, uh, I, we always did kind of take a stand against the corruption of the Christian churches, which kind of put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth, even as a whenever we were a Christian band. But we, we kept pushing on. We were signed through Rottweiler Records, which was a Christian label. Um, we had some back and forth on uh, material and marketing because you know some of my ideas tend to be controversial. <laughs> uh, so, but in the end, we stepped away from that label. Uh, now we're with Luxor Records out of Detroit, and uh, we're really happy with them. Well, I could see it sort of raising some issues because <laughs> I mean, I remember reading at one point where you'd said the Turner Burn message is garbage, meaning to become a Christian. And it affects the mind in such an ugly and forceful way. I believe God wants us to be tolerant, open-minded, to evolve with modern culture, and somehow learn to have some love in this day and age. Obviously, you were opening up the door for criticism of the Order of Elijah. <laughs> yeah, I've never really been afraid of criticism. Uh, I learned earlier in our musical career that in order to make an impactful message, you've got to have a thick skin and people are going to say everything from one extreme to another. I've been labeled a, a, the most extreme sinner to the most extreme saint. Um, as far as the Turner Burn message goes, I, that, that specific quote was written during, I guess, what I would consider a transition period, where I was giving up on the radical stories of the Old Testament, but I was doing the best I could to still clinch on to the messages that Jesus Christ sent, which I think he still had some good stuff to say. And I could not at any point in my, uh, in my ethics deny that the Turner Burn message, especially into children, uh, it's mental abuse to tell someone that you will burn in hell for not believing in something, no matter how irrational that seems. That does not seem like the qualities of an uh, omnipotent God that, is breaches any type of ethics. So uh, whenever I look at children that are literally struggling because they're worried about a family member who passed away that may not have lived up to the notebook Christian that their parents had laid out, you know, I've been there and I've seen other kids go through it. And it's child abuse. I think it's mental child abuse to tell someone that they're, that people go to hell after they die. So that was where that kind of stemmed from. It was an earlier uh, interpretation while I still had some faith. And that was between the time of the Dethrone album and your latest release, War at Heart. Yes. Okay, obviously that was one particular issue that had you begin to question Christianity. What else came up? There has to be more than one thing. Yeah, like I tell a lot of people, um, the same method that makes someone decide to accept a God belief uh, I believe the same process goes on whenever you decide to reject a God belief. Most typically, uh, the rejection of a God belief comes from indoctrination, typically as a child. And these beliefs are ingrained in you depending on what part of the world you live in. It will depend on what beliefs have been ingrained. And I think that it's not just one thing that makes someone change their mind. It's It's a plethora. It's a it's an accumulation. So whenever I look back at the things that made me decide that I didn't believe in the Abrahamic God, it would just have to do with 
anything ranging from science to history to the contradictions of the Bible that just constantly accumulate, the unethical ethnic cleansing that goes on the Bible, the rules on how to beat your slaves. And I just can't understand why it wouldn't have been simpler to make a commandment that said, people, thou shalt not be property. Uh, I, it began with some brutal stories from the Bible, anywhere from Jephthah murdering his virgin daughter to um, Elisha going up the hill and all of the kids getting murdered by bears. Uh, there's there, there's a handful of those that uh, begin to be questionable, but I think the real power uh, of whether or not it's real uh, lies in philosophy. There's three major arguments, the ontological, the teleological, and the cosmological. And um, I believe David Hume did a pretty good job of putting all of those arguments to rest. I understand it's still debated today. Well, I know that the media has really played up the point that you had been reading Richard Dawkins' book. And no, that's not a relation to me, because I'm Hawkins and not Dawkins, but reading <laughs> his book, The God Delusion, and that was the reason yet you converted from being a Christian. Is that an exaggeration? Yeah, boy, the media really took took that one and ran with it. And I understand why they did, because... I did mention Dawkins' book in my original um, explanation to the fans and, I guess, the world of what happened. Um, whenever that post picked up, it kind of went viral. I didn't expect it to. Uh, there were so many different headlines coming out, and um, I learned a little bit about advertising during that season because <laughs> <laughs> what they were saying wasn't inaccurate. It was just it was the play on words in order to get people to click. Uh, Christian vocalist converts to atheism after reading Richard Dawkins. And, I mean, that right there is a line that I, I don't know who wouldn't click on. Um, and I don't necessarily regret attributing Richard Dawkins because his book really was um, consciousness-raising. But, I, you know, I, I failed to mention all of the other things that I had been studying, like the psychology of the mind, neuroscience, or... Um, there was also some other authors like Dan Dennett and Sam Harris that wasn't mentioned either. I presume that if I would have mentioned Sam Harris's book, Waking Up, that everybody would be contributing this to Sam Harris, but Richard Dawkins drew the lucky straw. Uh, I can't say that The God Delusion isn't a really good book and uh, that it didn't help answer some questions, but um, whenever I picked up the book, I had already let go of Abrahamic faith and I was claiming agnostic. After reading the book, I decided that that was somewhat of a weak claim and that it is typically a claim made out of fear or somewhat an insurance um, because you can ask most agnostics if they believe that a virgin gave birth and they'll tell you no. So they're typically ag uh, atheistic to the gods that have been written. They're agnostic to the possibility that there may be a god that we haven't figured out. That's usually the consensus. Some of them are, everyone's different. So that, that book kind of just reiterated where I stood as far as my ideology. I have to wonder about how all of this affects your success as an artist. I'd be concerned that all this media hype about you becoming an atheist could even overshadow your music itself. Uh, it has been quite overwhelming. Um, we've lost uh, probably a couple thousand fans as far as what the numbers on social media tell us, but we've gained probably 
double that. We've gotten a, a lot of new fans from the secular community. And I personally feel like I'm just being myself. I'm being honest and I'm laying it out there like in what I feel like artists do. Or they're uh, supposed to do. Uh, yes. Um, I, I am. Whenever I go sit down to write art, used to, whenever I was a Christian, I sat down to write in the thought of, I need to be marketable to the Christian community. And I believe Maddie Montgomery and uh, Ryan from Fit for a King and, and all of them, uh, they have the same thing in mind. They know who their audience is. They're, they know who they're marketing to. And for some reason, I feel like there's a little bit of a lost art in that sense. It's kind of like you're turning into Nickelback. You, you, you know the <laughs> formula. So you're just going to write the formula. Um, whenever I decided to be honest about my beliefs, I got so much ridicule from the Christian community. Anywhere from people burning our CDs to damning me as a horrible father. I mean, the worst of the worst. People said stuff about my family, about my life, about who I am. And, um, and that still sticks with me, you know. Uh, it's still in there. These people uh, that are supposed to be a, a community to lift others up are far from so whenever the word apostasy comes into the picture. Granted, not all of them. There is a few people, a very select few people, that will be very nice and honest. And I can even say uh, the majority of my actual friends that I see in person are Christians. So uh, they know where I stand. I know where they stand. We, we'll have conversations about it sometimes. Often we don't. Um, but whenever we do, we have thoughtful, empowering conversations. Um, whenever people have a keyboard in front of them, granted, they, they lose a lot of behavioral control. But <laughs> I, I, I think that, you know, I'm just trying to be honest and I'm telling people what's on my heart. People want me to quit talking about atheism. That's another thing I hear. I will say that I am not blasphemous. Well, I don't put up pictures of Muhammad and Jesus having sex. They're out there. Uh, I, don't, I don't put up stuff like that to purposely be offensive. I put up things that I hope would make someone think, and that's it. And I, whenever I, I get people practically begging me to stop encouraging atheism, I find that the most offensive. Because it's even written in the book. It's written in Scripture the Great Commission is to go out and change people's minds to believe in Christ. Why is it so offensive whenever someone else has the same agenda with a different topic? And, and it is what I think about. I wanted to be a pastor. Every part of my life, everywhere I stepped, I had conditioned myself to see God there. I, I had conditioned myself to, if something bad happened, I tried to work that out of how God was trying to teach me something. If something good happened, that was a blessing from God. And no matter what happened, even losing my keys and finding them, even the simplest things, I was glorifying God. And then whenever I have a change of heart and I find myself astonished and in wonder about not only the new things that I'm learning, but how so many people won't even take into consideration some of the simpler parts of atheism. They won't even think about it because most of them are afraid. They're afraid because of what we spoke about earlier in the conversation that turn or burn. Because ultimately, if you do find atheism to be more rational and more convincing than the belief that you stand on, then you in turn have to face 
the possibility of eternal damnation and torment because you found something more rational with the very brain that that God gave you. So I see people have a lot of cognitive dissonance. They, have a, they do a lot of rationalization. They do a lot of overgeneralizing about atheists. And it seems like a protective measure. And I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm going to talk about. And I'm not going to just talk about atheism in the sense, but I'm going to I'm going to talk about the oppression of human rights. I'm going to talk about uh, my love for my daughter. I talked about that in my last album. Um, I, I, I'm going to talk about what gives me meaning in life because, you know, I'm happier now. And whenever I wrote before, like I wrote in a marketing sense. And now I feel like I'm actually being myself whenever I write lyrics that this what, what people are getting now is who I really am. Because I don't care anymore about selling records. I don't care about impressing a certain demographic of people. In fact, I want to piss them off. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think there's Christian artists that actually don't want their listeners to question anything? Yeah, I think that all Christian leaders don't want their flock to question. uh, And I believe that they will do whatever they can to kind of protect them from that. And that's... That's pretty understandable. I mean, whenever atheists tell me they're going to go to church, I, I ask them why. Like, why, why are you going to church? And if they're like, well, I met this girl and she wants to go to church, they're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it, but if they're telling me like, hey, I'm, I'm, having, uh, I'm having doubts uh, about my confidence in life or my self-esteem and I'm wondering if church should do it. And I remind them of why they're an atheist. Just because something feels good doesn't mean it's true. Uh, I, I kind of look at church as somewhat of a self-help group these days. It never used to be that. It used to be more of a militant type thing. You had to go to church in order to vote. You had to go to church in order to be accepted by society. And now it's more of like a, they meet you at the door with really huge smiles and handshakes. And um, there's a big endorphin competition where they're anywhere from the music to the humor that you get during the sermon they're constantly searching for a consciousness raising and 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 in the end i mean there is a lot of good things that the self-help offers but i believe that there's there's other methods too um i've met some people that i think religion is the only thing that could keep them under control but i i think there's too much emphasis on the rationality of it you bored no no just looking at that picture we made. Yeah? Yeah, Daddy and me. Yeah, that was a cool picture, huh? Hey, where's our hair? We forgot to put hair on that picture. <laughs> <laughs> let's, go t- let's go take that nail off and draw some of that on. Well, why don't you let me finish my conversation and then we'll do some crafts. I don't want any crafts in this joking. Okay. Oh, sorry about that. She's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) She is. She's on (laughs) me. What you were just talking about really raises a point. Um, You had an interview a few years ago with an outfit called High Wired Days, where the interview had asked if the Order of Elijah was a Christian band, and you'd said at that point, God gave me the heart of a warrior, so it's in my nature to wage war realistically has that focus just switched from christianity towards atheism yeah um i i 
I think that's the reason I identify with Elvis is because <laughs> it, he he would get into things and he would just go wild with them. You know, he, one time Elvis decided that he was going to put up some Christmas decorations at Graceland, and then he decorated the gate. Every year after that, the Christmas decorations got huger and huger until it was just this massive display of <laughs> uh, you mean and, until and he, it looked like one of his stage costumes yes yeah exactly and he did the same thing with horses he did the same thing with motorcycles and gosh i have that addictive passion personality whenever i get into something i really get into it um i did the same thing with christianity i i've done the same thing with elvis i've done the same thing with my school my education uh psychology I get really passionate about a select few things and I try to do the best I can at those things. And if I feel that it, it's worth being passionate for, then it's worth, you know, attempting to change the world with it as, um, I guess, mediocre as that could sound. But, you know, I think that everyone has the ability to change the world, even if it's just the, the world around them. And so many people are waiting for the world to change them. Uh, I think that people should find motivation in themselves to be active in the things that they're passionate about. I suppose it's really tough for anybody to bury their past. So what have you kept from Christianity and what's ended up in the dumpster? Well, I've kept a ton of tattoos, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they're a little tough to change. They are. Boy, uh, yeah, I... I've got three scriptures on me. I've got the hands of creation. I've got a portrait of Jesus. Uh, and, um, you know, I, that's just... You're just going to have to wear long sleeve shirts all the time now. Well, I'm, at the same time, I'm not ashamed of that. I mean, you know, whenever someone meets me now, that, that's part of who I am. It's part of the, the package you're receiving today. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I've lived the life I have. You know, there there's some moments, specific moments I, I could think of that I, I, I regret, but um, I don't believe in no regrets. Uh, I believe that that's a, a marketed phrase, you know, it was a meme that, that just picked up and, uh, you know, it feels good to say things like no regrets, but I mean, without our regrets, there is no correction. Um, it's not so much that I wish I would have never done that, but I just wish I wouldn't have had to gone to such extremes in order to learn that lesson. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy living my life now and uh, I'm just going to keep doing that. I, I have kept a, a lot of the things I learned from Christianity, even if it wasn't stuff in the Bible, just perhaps from people that I've met. Um, I'm still friends with uh, the two pastors that I used to uh, attend their churches here in my hometown. And I, I just had dinner with them last month, and one of them actually had me uh, come on. We did a, a film discussion, a lot like what we're doing today. And he presented that instead of one of his sermons one day to the congregation on the screens. And I guess some people walked out, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I still... that that is a part of my life, you know, like I was saying with the tattoos, I still have those friends. So many people have turned their backs on me. They don't want to be friends with me, but I mean, that's, that's okay. And, uh, I, I think there's stuff about society that Christianity has adapted to. 
I was able to absorb culture through Christianity and I'm more versed on the American culture through my experience with Christianity than I would have been had I uh, ostracized myself from it. I want to ask about your latest album, More at Heart, because, you know, every artist's album is really a picture of where their heart is at that time. Is there a song from War at Heart that really defines the new Shannon Lowe? Um, yeah, uh, I really identify with Tyler Durden a lot. That song, I, I wrote it in the vision of, like, Tyler Durden being in my shoes. Like, the Tyler Durden from Fight Club, if I had one of him, what would he be telling me? What would he be telling everyone else that was around me? Writing that song was somewhat euphoric for me. Like, after I wrote that, and then you repeat it, and you rehearse it, and you do it over and over and over till it's ingrained in your mind, uh, I realized that, like, what I meant for it to be, it was that part of me that was telling me to stop wasting time, to, to quit investing in pointless things, and put your chips where you know you're going to have a payback, and kind of stop being a pussy, too, you know? Uh, I I just kind of felt empowered after writing that song, and I've had people tell me the song makes them feel that way too, so that was kind of my only goal. Well, Shannon, I really appreciate you being so upfront and honest. Thanks for coming on The Antidote. And thanks for having me, man. And uh, say goodbye to Zoe for me. All right, will do, Dave.